Okay. We're back midway through July. Are you staying cool, Ben? I'm doing my best since I'm not leaving the apartment and it's air conditioned. It's not too hard. Nice. Yeah. We've got one air conditioner in the house and it's, it's upstairs to just try to combat like the worst mm. of the, the inferno up there. So yeah, I've got the fans going on. Hopefully it's not too loud for our, our very um, sensitive recording equipment here. Might be picking up some of it. Uh, but so for this time, um, we're, we're on the hunt for our last couple of friends. Um, it sounds like you found at least a couple. Um, are you still missing anybody, though? The only one I'm missing at this point is Strago, um, mm-hmm. largely because I wanted to do the whole tower in one go. I um, see. So I figure that's kind of my goal for next week is just knock out the whole, whole tower, and then we can take on Kafka. Um, and I'm also hunting dragons in the meantime as of um, now that I found Locke and went through his dungeon I found the, the red dragon and that's four down four to go he's okay. still floating around I haven't taken it him is out helpful. Yet, but. the game will tell you each time how many are left right each yes. time you, you, you take one out it'll tell you X number of dragons left and but it doesn't tell you well any more than that right it's like you've got to yeah. explore every nook and cranny I think I might just be missing one at this point. I think because I okay. think at least one, at least one is in Kefka's tower, which mm-hmm. I, I ransacked a, a portion of, but not any of the really difficult boss fights in there. Um, and I think I, I found at least one dragon, but I think there might be still one more in there. And and one of them is down in the the sunken castle. If you if you're transporting yourself in the you know the submerged form of the castle you'll you'll stop midway and yep. you can come out and, and explore and there's one in there um hmm, i'm not remembering now where all of the others are <laughs> shoot yeah um well if that's that's two of the four that i'm missing and if you're still missing one then that's three so there's only one that you've got that i don't that okay. i don't know about but i can track them down on the line yeah uh, that's the time the- comes so yeah, if, if there's any, I'm sure there's many secrets of this game that we are passing over in ignorance here. But um, but I think that's a that's a side quest that's worth trying to complete. I think is getting all those dragons taken care of. Um, and yeah, finding all the friends, not not leaving anyone out. The final, you know, fun times at Kefka's house. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Are there other goals that you have for this game, this this playthrough in particular? Um, are you still trying to get all of Gal's rages? Um, I, I haven't uh, gone through them in a while. Um, like since most of our exploration of the world of ruin, I've largely left that undone because you know it makes more sense to sort of wait until you've gone through everywhere, gotten as many encounters as you can, and then just get them all at once. Um, so I would like to do that. Um, I am a little disappointed that like uh, I'm sort of structuring my playthrough to get Strago last, which means I'm very much going to miss out on all the cool blue mage stuff. Yeah, I'd theoretically get if you were just sort of carrying them around the whole time. Um, and I know that a lot of that you could get by backtracking, um, like especially in the last dungeon, the sort of place where you find Locke. There are those monsters that use blowfish. Right. Um, which consistently does 1,000 damage. Um, and, you know, every time they'd hit me with one of those 1,000 damage attacks, I'd be like, dang it, 
I know that that's one of the ones that Strago learns. Right. Um, and that would have been a very convenient one to have around. Um, but other than that, I mean, at this point, like, I'm just going to be happy to get through it. Like, I love this game dearly, but I am looking forward to moving on to, to newer, bigger, and brighter things, um, so to speak. So oh, sure. my main goals at this point are I'd like to knock out the dragons and, you know, obviously pick up Strago, go through the big tower. I definitely want to pick up at least one gem box from uh, the yes. dinosaur forest because those things are amazing. Um, but other than that, I've already had some surprises this game. Um, like uh, I finally got Gal to interact with his father, and it's the first time I've ever had that happen. Um, right? How do you in any of my plays? How do you? Because I I've tried to take Gao and visit the old man who's clearly his father. Like everyone knows, this is your father. But um, but you said you have to do something else to to make that happen, and you kind of stumbled upon it, right? Yeah, it was very much by dumb luck. Um, like my my last hour or two of play was literally just me flying all over the place looking for stuff that I had missed and randomly revisiting things and reconfiguring the party. Um, and as it happened, I had Sabin and Gal in the same team when I went to visit uh, Gal's father again. And this time, it, it was apparently Sabin that was the the deciding factor. Um, that once you have the two of them together, Sabin is like that's clearly your father. We have to do something about this. Um, you get this whole cut scene where like they take him to Jadur and they like get him all dressed up and you know, they give him a haircut. And Weird. He's even got like this boot that he wears, like the pixel the, the sprite itself is, is changed. So he looks very, you know, respectable um, with the whole theory being that like, you know, we want your father to be proud of you when he comes back. Um, and then, of course, you have like the whole makeover scene, and the girls are helping out, like Sellas and Tara, and they're both weighing in and making sure that you know he's got the nicest stuff. It's kind of out of place, so I kind of wonder if it's not scripted so that you can do it in either the world of ruin or or the world of balance. Um, but it is also you know plausible. Jador has withstood most of the destruction. Yeah. Um, like it's still a pretty well-to-do city with all of its mansions and the big like painter house um, which I'm sure we'll get back to um, yeah right but then you bring Gal back and like Sabin is practically pulling his hair out saying yeah this is this is your son and the father's like I don't have a son um, <laughs> like at all like he denies having any children and then he talks about how he had this bad dream and in this dream he had a child but the child was you know wild or intractable or he just didn't want him like it was a nightmare monster child and so he just dropped him off in the belt and walked away um and like exactly it's really stark like and, and you know you're every interaction you have with this guy leads you to think that he's not quite in his right mind yeah. like when when you interact with him initially he's like oh you're the repairman and he gets you to you know fix the stove which burns you and you know tells you to like fix other things around his house like even when i first walked in he's like yeah fix that chair and then you can reach the roof and then you can reach and then you can fix the roof and you know Sabin's like okay we need to do something about this but the fact that it runs this deep that he is 
you know, either has lost his mind because of this thing that he's done or did this thing because, you know, he's not in his right mind. It's just really dark because, you know, Gao's standing right there. Like, the game reminds you every time that he says one of these horrible things, you know, Gao will make one of his noises like like he's wounded. Um, And, you know, Oh, he's he's literally saying things like he's a demon child or he's glad I got rid of him. I would have done the same thing again. Like while all the while sort of denying that it was even a thing that happened. Like it was all just this hallucination. And you know, there there's no there's no resolution to it. There's no like this is, you know, there, there's no contemporary 2020 you know surrogate family solution where it's like well you're part of our family now like it's just wow that guy is a jerk Um, (laughs) can you blame him he's insane right i mean that's the thing that's tough um yeah there isn't much to do other than i guess um just leave it right so you don't you don't come out of this with any real um yeah closure or or, or uh insight in particular mm-hmm. um other than like yeah a a completely mad old man um who won't recognize who can't recognize gal and gal uh he doesn't keep his his makeover does he does he, no, he oh, okay he does not yeah, yeah the, the one bit of closure you get is like you leave the house and Sabin is is talking about how mad he is and how frustrated he is with this you know, like completely failed father figure. Right. And Gao rather slowly says that he's happy that he's finally found his father. Like despite being rejected, despite being like told to his face that he was a demon, you know, he says, I'm happy. And he spells it out like H-A-P-P-Y. Like he's trying to, you know, pronounce it. Um, in, in typical gal fashion um, but you know on some level it's like this was still better than what gal had before um, it may not be comfortable but it is closure like it is now that's a thing that's done um, so you know as much as it is just horrible on so many levels um, it seems like Gao's okay with it. Like he would rather know than not know. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That, that dream thing. I mean, that there's a lot of ways that this connects with what we kind of dealt with last time in Doma Castle with Cyan. Um, in this case, you know, the madness, the, the dream, the nightmare, it seems has, it seems that has gone on too long has, has, has struck too deep for him to ever recover. Um, so yeah, I can I can see this as a kind of uh, counterpart to that adventure, right? Which was very long, very involved, um, and Cyan comes out of it and you know, gains his final sword skills, sword techs, um, gets a new sword, gets a esper. You, you don't get anything from this really, um, uh, except and it's easy to miss at that. Like yeah. Doma Castle, there's a guy who points you toward it. You know, if you if you don't find the house at the edge of the belt if you don't go with both Gal and Sabin in your party. I mean, again, this is probably the third or fourth time I've played through this 
game and this is the first time i've ever seen that scene you know it's yeah. it's a real easy one to overlook why uh, do you think why do you think sabin is the one to uh spearhead this this whole thing and then everyone gets into on the production but i mean he's the kind of yes. why, why is that yeah i know um as we've t- talked before like we frequently connect to cyan um we've frequently seen like gal is the surrogate son to cyan but i'm i'm kind of wondering if the game rather thinks of it as you know gal is the surrogate son to sabin um which you know it makes more sense from cyan's perspective insofar as like cyan has lost his son and therefore you know is seeking a replacement but I think Sabin may in fact have the better thematic connection because, you know, he's always been alone. Um, like Sabin's whole story surrounds his willingness to leave his family, um, to leave Edgar and his responsibilities and to just go be in the mountains and train. And that very much does reflect Gao's story insofar as he's, you know, he's been abandoned and was training by necessity. Yeah. Um, what Sabin chose, Gao had forced upon him. Mm. Um, so I think there's an interesting kinship there. Um, and it makes, it makes a certain sort of sense. Um, as it happened, this was also the section when I, when I finally tracked down Duncan and nice. saw Sabin... <laughs> in his little duel on the roof of Duncan's hut um, as, as he learns bum rush. It's fantastic. Um, which is, oh yes. <laughs> Dude. So, so uh, the, the Duncan thing, like he was supposed to be dead, right? He was supposed to have perished long ago. Um, but it turns out he's just been hanging out in the world of ruin or like, where, where was he in the world of balance? Yeah. Apparently, you know, you talked, you can talk to his wife um, in one of the cities, I forget which, um, like you can just track him down and you talk to her and she's like, Duncan? Oh, he's not dead. He's just, you know, out training somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, there's no indication of where that actually is. And again, this is one of those that it's super easy to miss because it's not even a location on the map. It's just, you know, you've got these five trees arranged suspiciously mm-hmm. um and if you walk into the center of the trees there he is um in his little you know hermitage um <laughs> so, so again like it's one of those just sort of easter eggs bonus power set like it, it's not even a full-fledged side quest um but you know it, it's still this cool little little interaction that does illuminate a little bit more um, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering now if you know does does anything happen if you get every single rage with Gao? Is there is there any chance that that might do something like that? That might be sort of a, a crazy paranoid thought that the old man has uh, inflicted upon me with his crazy. But um, I wonder. I wonder if that's yeah. I think that there's actually something weird about it, like. I think one of the Gao rages is broken. Like oh, no. there's a glitch game and you can't actually collect all of the rages. Oh. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's like, 
that there's a specific enemy that only appears in a back attack or pincer attack or something. And uh, Gal can't learn moves or can't do the rage thing from back attacks and pincer attacks. So as a result, like there's that one particular enemy that you can't get, or there's like an actual blank in his list. I, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember, you know, trying to get the rages once upon a time and stumbling across that and being very grumpy about it. Uh, but I'm also pretty sure that the game has been hardcore reverse engineered at this point. Yeah. There's nothing in there that would indicate that like completing all of Gao's rages would get you something special. Okay. Um, I mean, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I, you know, was scouring the net for these things. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that, that it's just, you know, the satisfaction of a job well done more than thing that the game actually intends to reward you for. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, this game, there's so many different ways in which the characters uh, connect. There, there's ways that you can sort of see relationships between characters and, and their skills, um, mm -hmm. which, I mean, in some sense, in, in place of a total completion, what I, what I would rather get from the game is a sense of kind of, a, kind of harmony and, and balance, right? That word again, um, that like somehow each of the characters you know, completes their arc. Um, if they don't get their ultimate skill, well, whatever. I mean, they have plenty of powerful attacks that are, you know, tuned in with their particular character, and, and that's very satisfying. But also, like, to see all the different kinds of configurations. And I, that's what I like about this quest. Yeah, it's like, it makes you sort of see something about the, the relationship between Savin and Gao that you might otherwise have kind of overlooked. Um, and that's interesting that, like, Lots of other ones, you just need that one character, but but it seems fitting somehow that for this one you need two, um, because of of the loss there, the uh, the uh, well, yeah, the, the the thing that can't be healed, that can't be fixed at this point, right? He wants you to fix his oven, his roof, etc., but he can't can't correct his um, his view of reality at, yeah. at any yeah at any point. Well, so I I guess um we should look at. Well, who do you want to look at then? Realm or Locke first? Which one did you do first? I did Realm first. Um, and that's probably the easier of the two to, I think. Um, there's a little bit more story meat there, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Realm's hanging out in Jadur, uh, which I don't know how I overlooked Jadur in all of my past wanderings across the world. It's too of obvious. Room, I guess I, I mean, just like that's what it comes down to yeah it's like right on that path that you thought that you took the first time through but then you know that wasn't how it went down so anyway i went back to jadur um did a couple auctions i don't think they have anything new that's really worthwhile um i and then of course you get the the tip off that the guy in the giant mansion at the back of the town is a big time art collector and recently hired a very skilled painter mm. um, to work for him, which of course is your big tip off that this is where realm is hiding. Yes. Um, but then you go into the mansion and like it, they turn on the haunted house vibe. Um, like there's this, this lamp that you've got to turn on, yeah. on before you can even go up the stairs and, you know, the paintings are haunted and you, you have like a, there's a painting of a chair and when you pass it, you like get pulled into the chair and then a guy comes out behind you ah! and then you fight the guy. <laughs> um, and you have to actually like fight a physical painting at one point. Like it, it 
just attack the boss yeah of course it, it's it's this really interesting like art demon monster thing um, yeah what is that i mean so yeah the, the whole, uh it's a it's a two-parter uh kind of yes. boss. yeah yeah it, it's it's really interesting how how they sort of frame it that like realm is perfecting this masterpiece um that belongs to i forget the guy's name the 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 rich man who is contracting all these paintings. I know it starts with an O. Hauser. Um, like Hauser, yes. Yeah. Um, so Hauser is getting Realm to apparently like paint this thing that he loves, this character who, you know, it turns out that it's, it's one of the espers um, and he's uh. been holding on to it for a while and it's sort of driving him mad. Um, but anyway, uh, Realm is painting this, and apparently, in the process, a demon inhabits the painting. Right. Like Realm is painting this Esper goddess, um, and then the the demon shows up and it tries to take the person away, the Esper, from the painting. Like it's sort of conflated with the Esper itself. Um, it's I forget the demon's name, like Chenderuk or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you end up in this fight where you've got this like beautiful, you know, birth of Venus esque nude <laughs> woman, you know, skillfully covered by clouds. Um, and then as you fight it, like the, there's a lightning flash, and the the painting gradually transforms into the demon. Yeah. Um, and while I didn't like carefully figure out exactly what the mechanics were in this case i'm pretty sure that only damage to the demon counts yeah um like you can you can swing at the beautiful lady all you want it's not going to do anything um but it's especially annoying because he'll like he'll jump back and forth between the two modes frequently (laughs) um so it's sort of hard to to figure out what you're going to hit when you originally um like punch in your actions um, but I did think it was really interesting that just like this whole approach toward art, yeah. like just the whole mechanics of this scene are just weird and striking um, that, you know, on the one hand, Auser is obsessed with this Esper goddess thing to the point of needing it represented visually through realms, masterful handiwork. Right. But on the other hand, you know, the demon will, the painted version with apparently the same amount of effectiveness as though it was stealing the goddess itself. Um, so what do you think of that? Because, like, I'm not entirely sure what, what to take away from it. I'm very confused, too, because I don't see how having the stone of the Esper gives him any sense of what she actually looks like. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you have the stone of the Esper, you can equip it, you can summon it, but does that mean that Alzer is like a skilled magic user who can summon Espers? Um, like he, he like knows what he has and, and meets her that way. Um, that's the part about it that I, I kind of don't get. Um, but, but then the idea that a, a monster would come and uh, attempt to take, take over the representation rather than the actual thing yeah, is weird. Um, but then monsters are really strange in this game. <laughs> True. They, they pop in for like 
very weird reasons. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Altros. I'm looking at you, um, and and all of his right. friends that he he brings along. Um, so yeah, I I guess there there's something kind of strange going on with um, the active time battle itself, though. Also, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a classic Final Fantasy thing that they do in battles, where where the the monster will sort of move in a way that's unpredictable um, according to their 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 own time meter or whatever, which you can't see. And then you've meanwhile like input some commands and you'll your people will run those commands even after the situation changes. And then you're like, oh geez, like not what I meant to do. Right. right. So there's yeah, so there's a similar kind of switcheroo going on there. I, I'm not not too sure, yeah, what to make of this um, other than this this battle is tricky. Uh, not just because of that change thing that happens, but also because you can get charmed um, yes. and you lose, basically just lose one of your characters, right? Because they, they will turn on you. Um, and that, again, is like so many of the, the powers that characters have have to do with learning monster sp- skills or, or turning monsters to your advantage, right? Um, you know, painting the monster or controlling the monster with the fake mustache from from Gogo's uh, dungeon. You get that yep. fake mustache. So now Realm becomes able to like actually turn you know monsters uh, over to your team, right? A, a manipulate kind of thing. Um, yeah, and so that this is you know them doing that to you. That's not cool. Um, but it's 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 awfully I guess rare, right? That your your party member. Um, undergoes this status effect. So I, I found that to be actually the, the more difficult part, part about this battle. Um, yeah. Than the demon. And, I, and I think too, you know, it's, it's dependent on which, which half is there. Like the attacks are very depending on who you're fighting. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure it's only the goddess who charms you. Yeah. Um, the demon will typically like cast damage spells on you, which, you know, at this point with all your defenses and power, it's like, like, ah, yeah. Try again. Like, <laughs> go ahead. Hit me with fire two one more time. Um, but so but, uh, the, the charm, I mean, that seems to be what happened to Owser one way or the other, right? He's yes. fell under her spell. And then, you know, as long as he has the painting, he's fine giving you the actual, yeah, the actual stone, which is odd. Um, yes. I don't know what that's about. Uh, but again, you know, normally the Magicite, once it's in this form, they, it, you don't interact with it. It's like it doesn't um have any independent existence anymore it just it just serves whoever. it just sits in your menu yeah. waiting to be assigned <laughs> um no no object at stake at this point yeah. um the one thing that i did is it is realm who's doing the painting um, mm-hmm. and we know that realms realms painting abilities are not limited to whatever you know is canvas like it, it runs deeper than that she can you know sketch monsters and the monsters can then perform attacks um so it would make sense then that like if she is the esper that um Auser, you know has this obsession over um it would make sense that that whatever she paints patient she would make is more than the typical representation it is in fact capturing some essence of whatever it is that she's painting um and i think that that's striking like there's something very platonic about this 
um, that you know the 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 essence of the thing can be sort of abstracted from the thing and is more important than the material object that it represents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just those material objects are mere shadows, but Realm can somehow, with her paintbrush, get it the ideal form. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I wonder too if that is part of what sort of attracts this monster, right? That it's not just any painting, right? It's it's a it's a sort of living or or yeah essence bearing um, uh, sort of thing, um, not just a representation. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it seems like by painting, Realm is staving the monster off. Like that's like you find her in the basement with Owser. And she's like, help, you know, I'm sort of like engaged in this life or death battle with this demon. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that's keeping it at bay is the fact that she can, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you think of Tolkien and how like the forces of evil in the world cannot create anything. They can just corrupt the pre-existent things that are. Yeah. Like Sauron makes nothing beautiful. He just perverts things that are already beautiful. Um, it's like realm by painting is asserting what the thing is in a way that cannot be corrupted. That like you've got the demon and realm standing on opposite sides of this, of this painting, like saying what it should be. And it is act of will that keeps one or the other from winning. Um, like how is the, how is the world configured? What allies does this, you know, esper have what do they fight for like if realm says it's one thing then it's that but if the demon says it's something else then it becomes whatever the demon envisions like creation you know the creative act doing an actual act of creation um, making something the way that you describe it to be so this i think this esper is a healing upgrade right it's um yes so yeah that that again sort of makes sense uh given yeah she's the only one with cure three oh sweet um, at least so far yeah yeah and so I, I think that goes along with sort of your your point about you know creation um as opposed to the the kind of corruption and it is it is very fun too that you know healing spells tend to work as damage against undead uh or, or sort of mm-hmm. demonic foes um i don't think that's the case in this battle though and this one in particular yeah, i don't think so you don't you just you just would heal it if you try to heal it <laughs> so yep. that, that trick doesn't work here um but yeah i mean that again uh it's it's quite interesting how the um the representation of a thing often does give you the hint about what its its nature is in these games mm-hmm. too right like you can generally tell based on looking at an enemy sprite like what kind of a uh, elemental weakness it's likely to have um mm. but not always right uh, they, they do they do trick you so um i think there's something i mean it has to be said that like this is one of the most you know mature representations in any final fantasy game up to this point i think mm. um the the nearly naked lady coming out of the painting um yeah that's also interesting uh <laughs> that like um well first of all that it's realm painting it right mm-hmm. for this old sort of creepy guy uh there, there's a lot about this that is like yeah uncomfortable 
Um, and sort of the role, I guess, like even down to the even down to the fact that Elzer, you know, is alone with Realm in the basement of his mansion. Right, with all the lights itself, off. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it's going? very uncomfortable. Uh, um, I mean, I think yeah. about the ways that, like, friends of mine as a, as a kid, friends of mine who could draw, you know, like, draw well, mm-hmm. like, eventually they'd draw something that was, you know, of... Um, titillating you know just to like experiment with that and you know historically the classic works of art you know do depict uh the naked human form like that's that's sort of the pinnacle of great art so on the other hand there's that um and i i don't know well you know western art i guess i should say i don't know i got i don't know what sort of commentary there i feel like there is a lot more to this though um this this scene um and what what's sort of at stake here um it's it's yeah one of the more interesting um dungeons i guess if you can call it that Uh, Mm -hmm. a lot to unpack for sure yeah all right well we can we can recur to this um but we should talk quickly on on locks um so his dungeon is you know, one of the first times in a while anyway that we've had to split up the party, right? And Mm -hmm. make two teams. Um, And you, you know, so by the time you do this dungeon, you want to have a pretty robust group. I mean, it sounds like, you know, your parties are pretty overpowered and one of them can avoid all fights anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So that makes it a bit easier. But, I mean, this dungeon's weird in other ways too because it's got got a lot of traps. uh, trap floors, um, pretty pretty difficult enemies. Um, you know, as as random encounters go, these are some of the tougher ones probably in the game. Um, so it it all sort of indicates that this should be one of the last party members that you you find. Um, and uh, some of the treasures in here are also pretty great, uh, or at least the ones that he gives you once he rejoins right. your party. Yeah, because opening the chests, you find that they're all empty. Darn that block. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, but the, the things that he took from them turn out to be pretty pretty handy. Uh, one in particular, right, This this uh, his sort of ultimate weapon um, that deals more damage the less HP you have, or like yep. with respect to your max HP or something, some kind of little calculation there. It deals like considerably more damage than any other weapon I've got at this point. So Yeah. And especially because Locke doesn't do a whole heck of a lot of damage to begin with. Normally, and, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Uh so I don't know. I mean this this dungeon felt like um kind of an odd conclusion to to Locke's sort of you know story um because there isn't really much to it uh until you get to the very end. Um mm-hmm. you you find him there. Uh and then, then you get sort of the, the the completion of his, you know, lost love, um, making it so that he feels, you know, like it's okay to let her just, just be gone, you know, be, mm-hmm. be let go. Um, so, I don't know. So it's it's the phoenix, right? So this is again sort of yes. carrying on that that healing concept, um, and the power that the phoenix has in, you know traditionally is one of of resurrection though so it's mm-hmm. instead of you know a literal rebirth for 
for what's her name rachel rachel yeah. yeah instead of that instead of that you get Locke sort of return to your your party um mm -hmm. so it's cool i mean uh yeah it's there's nothing particularly um rachel related there right except that he's he's still trying to to find this ultimate treasure that could bring her back um but i don't know she she was always sort of a a loose end in, in his story, I feel like, so. Yeah, and I think honestly, you know, as much as, as much as this is kind of a negative trope in video games and elsewhere, like Rachel really doesn't exist except as, mm -hmm. you know, just a way of characterizing Locke. Like, you know, even when he comes back to her, even after you find him in the dungeon and, and talk to him he he explains that you know he lost himself that's that's the real issue here yeah. um like rachel she never really had a chance the, there was never going to be a scene where you know you finally figure out the truth about rachel yeah. rachel is just an object in this game and that's that's kind of crappy yeah. um but as far as as far as Locke himself you know this does fit his character like on the one hand, we've got that, you know, chivalrous, heroic person who helped Terra escape from Narsh at the very beginning of the game through, you know, wiles and, um, like, sneakiness and slightly dubious thieving behavior. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, here he is, a legit treasure hunter. Like, people said, oh, that's Locke the Thief, and he's like, I prefer the term treasure hunter. That was our inter introduction to him. Now he really is. Mm -hmm. um, and it isn't doing anything for him. <laughs> like, nothing is improved. Um, being a treasure hunter is just an escape at this point, like a refusal to, to deal with the world as it has changed, the same way that, you know, Cyan and Sabin and Setzer were all escaping. Yeah. Um, the world that they had made. Um, so Locke is very much in that same boat. And, you know, he, he does find the ultimate treasure, Phoenix, you know, the big esper that could potentially save his lost love, but it's cracked and broken and right. doesn't actually do what he thought it would. Right. Um, so there is something kind of tragic about it, but I think your point that Locke is the one who is reborn, that's really the key here. Yeah. Um, like Rachel as she is, you know, she's given like her five minutes to say her fond farewells and basically comes down to, you know, don't grieve over me, please just get over me. And importantly, I entrust the Phoenix to you. Yeah. Um, indicating that it is Locke who needs it more. Um, not just like as a weapon in your rapidly expanding arsenal, but because he's the one who needs to be reborn yeah. to grow beyond what he had become. I mean, it's, I think, a, a interesting kind of question for me, like, what is going on with that, that crack in, in the Esper, too? Um, mm. Well, I mean, it's always kind of a weird question to wonder, like, how all these treasures get put in these dungeons also. Yep. Like, who, who hid this down here? Who spread rumors that it was down here? All of that, mm. of course, is sort of impossible to say anything other than it's it's a it's an RPG. That's how these things work, right? Yep. But but it is kind of interesting that yeah, in using in using the Phoenix Esper to sort of you know grant his his one wish that he's really had this whole time, um, 
he sort of realizes, I guess, that 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 wish also had this this flaw in it, right? Which, as mm-hmm. you point out, I think that makes it pretty clear, right? Yeah, this person, he didn't he didn't know who she was, or you know, at least we don't get the sense that they that they were a real you know couple, or that she had any you know particular uh, qualities to her. She's sort of just this idea, right? That he's been chasing. Um, that that wish, when it's finally granted, yeah, it turns out not to be all that he was was expecting. Um, and the the power that it grants you, I think, is kind of an interesting one. That it teaches you all the life spells, including the one that that prevents death, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. That that you it only triggers when you when you fall in battle. Um, so there's that mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I don't know that that flaw that runs through um, is, is still sort of present there. Uh, I, I like that. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, this 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 inventory of espers, um, much like the characters, right? I, I sort of wonder how they how they connect with one another, how they are, you know, meaningful and not arbitrary at times. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, yeah, I think it works really nicely. Um, because the phoenix, like, this is one of the few things that we even get explained for us in within the context of the game. Like Locke tells us right. about the legendary phoenix, right? It's like, yeah, okay. Where we don't, we never get that for you know starlet. Like who, who or what is starlet? Mm-hmm. It's like not explained. Um, I think the, name the the chatter nuke. I tried to look that up. I don't, I don't see a a meaning for that either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, even like the Tritok, which was such a big part of the beginning of the game, like that's the Esper that wakes up um, yeah. Terra at the very beginning. You know, you get it in the second half of the game that gives you, you know, the ominous, I will test you and see if you are worthy. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you're worthy. I'm joining up. And that's all you ever know about it. Enough said. Um, you know, there, there, there there are a couple of exceptions here and there, like, you know, with Maduin being possibly Terra's dad or yeah. um, some of the other earlier espers like Rama, who you actually interact with. But, um, you know, the Phoenix is unique insofar as it's explained to you in the course of the game and actually has relevant game purpose. And it is directly tied to the mythic figure itself. Yeah. Um, like that is a direct translation from um, the the mythic origins rather than sort of the we included this because it's cool um, <laughs> sort of approach yeah. uh, so and it, I do think it's interesting the way that the espers are found in the second half of the game they do sort of tie on to specific characters Starlet with Realm Alexander with Cyan um, mm-hmm. that I think there's some there's something to it even Torato with with Umaro oh right yeah um, but for the most part yeah th- there's a sort of kinship between the esper that you discover and the figure who is connected to it yeah. like even you know with Simon Alexander you get the sense that like Alexander is the holy one right um and Cyan of course has always been about honor and about you know doing the right thing virtue in his eyes even when it's not necessarily the correct thing to do um, <laughs> like the appearance over the actuality yeah. um so i think that, that there is there are connections to be made but they're very rarely between the espers so much as between the esper and the relevant character who finds them um 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, I mean, the, the notion that these are in some way like humans, right? We, we get that with Madhu in, uh, with Rama, um, is interesting, but they do seem to late in the game, at least they, they do seem to be transcending, right. And to, to a greater degree, um, they seem to be more sort of spiritual or, or, or godlike, um, in their, in their qualities. Um, well, even, even to your point about, you know, how did the, the espers get to these specific places, um, with, you know, with Tritok, obviously we we know for the most part where it came from but the suggestion is that they've been there for a while like tritok is frozen in ice it's discovered by the empire long before any of the crazy events where like the espers come into the world um so presumably you know it's an ancient power in a sense and i think that that's probably the same with a lot of these um phoenix especially you know why would the magicite be cracked unless it had been sitting in that chest for you know centuries if even millennia perhaps um so there's sort of this insinuation that as much as you know we we've been to the realm of the espers and we've we've seen you know they have their own society and they they're just like us only you know they have magic power um some of these seem to be far more foundational, yeah. like like you said, transcendent, more powerful, um, godlike. Um, and I kind of and I think that my 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 take on that is like I kind of wish that they could only be equipped by certain characters. Actually, yeah. like that they that they only sort of have an affinity, right, with with one particular character. But I don't know. That would be complicated, I guess. Yeah. But it would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, there are plenty of other games that do tinker around with that. Um, even in the Final Fantasy games, like, especially, you know, later entries like 9 and 10, only certain certain characters have the power to summon. Um, and within that, you, you get, like, certain summons that are unique to certain people. Um, like I think of, you know, the Final Fantasy Tactics games. There, there's in Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and and the the sequel, only the Viera can can summon monsters. Right. Um, and I think that there's something kind of kind of potent about that that, that it does require a bond, a connection. Um, like even in Final Fantasy X, the whole plot is based around, you know, Yuna has to go from place to place and make a bond with these specific people. There has to be a connection. It's, it's not, you know, like when I'm done summoning this, I'll pass the thing to you and then you can summon them and so on and so <laughs> forth. Um, yeah. Huh. All right. All right. So, um, we've got one, one more to go. Strago, we know where he is. Mm -hmm. And, and your magic box, I believe there's one at the top of the tower. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but you but you might want to tread carefully. Uh, I think that's one of the harder boss fights. Oh, yeah. The tower is very much sort of endgame as far as, like, stuff to do in the world of Ruin. Right on. All right. And then Strago's got a side quest, which is pretty short, I think, but, but we'll fill in a bit with... Um, him and and shadow and we'll finally i think i think that will be the end of the the side stories and things and then mm -hmm. yeah all right well so you you should be thinking then about um 
about some some final thesis or something for this uh, as we're coming up on the end here. Uh, if we can we can say something to encapsulate these many many hours of uh, well of interpretation. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be thinking more about old Chatternuke and 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 the painting thing because that's very interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thanks again. You're very welcome. Have a good one. You too.